Hello and welcome to the Succession Easters. The Succession Easters! A weekly podcast recapping and dis- I thought you were going to fall off your chair then. <laughs> A weekly podcast recapping and discussing the award-winning HBO TV show Succession. I'm Mike Munzer, a producer, podcaster and Succession obsessive. And I'm Anna Bogutska, a writer, podcaster and Succession superfan. And on this podcast, we'll be taking you through the highs and the very, very low lows of the Roy family saga every single week. We are recapping every episode of Succession's fourth and final season, which is airing right now on HBO in the US and Sky and Now TV in the UK. And this week we'll be diving into season four, episode six, Living Plus. I think we should let Joy go. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, right now it's kind of all about the moves, so that's yeah, that's that's dude, that's baller for me. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Let's put an end to Joy. Great. Death to Joy. Jerry told me that that was a bad move, and I should sort of roll that back. So I uh, I fired Jerry. Fuck off. You fired Jerry? Shiv's yeah. godmother Jerry? Yeah, but we may need to roll back on that. I don't know. You may need to smooth over whatever. Fuck it, bro. Why not? Yeah. Drop her in the end zone. I mean, look at you. <laughs> Who are you going to fire next? I mean, fire Frank, fire Carl, <laughs> fucking eat Greg and fire me, man. Yeah, I don't know. It's You're big. It feels big. It feels maybe no, it's, it's a bit big. big. It's, it's not, big. not too big. Put on the dad goggles, yeah. right? It's nothing. Yeah? Nothing. Dynamic Waystar duo shake up their senior leadership team, grumble quote, grumble quote, caveat. Some are saying these two young Turks might just have what it takes to turn things around. Living plus. Anna, how would you feel about this when you retire? Going to live in a little housing complex where you can quote unquote drown in content. The thing is though, Mike, you say it like it's bad, but I did <laughs> yeah. think about this when they started describing it. And I'm like, I mean, it's not that different from how I live <laughs> right. now. So genuinely, it seems like the perfect retirement package for me. Just put me in a nice house or a flat and just drown me in content. Just all the subscriptions. Yeah. All the podcasts, all the TV shows, all the movies. I don't need to socialize, just like swim in content. Yeah. And also like bringing bringing people rough cuts and press screeners as well. It's like we work in the industry and we don't get to view rough cuts and press screeners. (laughs) It's like a fight to get hold of any press screener at home. So yeah, if you're just going to bring it to me in my content filled home, that's fine by me. Fine by me. And and directors randomly popping by to introduce screenings. (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Why not? This sounds great. I'm into it. I'm subscribing. So this is kind of the world that we're getting a glimpse of in this episode, aren't we? That It really feels like we're kind of doubling down here on the old guard is gone. You know, there is this emphasis, obviously, on old age and putting people away in homes in this episode. And there's this feeling that the senior members of this cast and of this world are disappearing and it's being left to the young tech bros. And we really dip our toe into the kind of the tech mogul world here and how fucked up they all are. Yeah, I mean, this is... I mean... Succession is a comedy anyway. It's a satire of of the rich and powerful. But this episode does feel like a full-on-out parody mm-hmm. of tech CEOs, their outsized bullshit, their preposterous pitches, their self-mythologizing and the way that they build themselves up to be grander than um, anyone that's ever come before. It's always this one-upmanship. And there's beautiful moments throughout the entire episode from Matson to Kendall um, where we see those that 
direct parodying of the tech CEO, which has become so ubiquitous in the last, what, 20 years yeah. of our lives? Yeah. You know, they have become kind of pop culture figures in the same way um, as actors or, or directors are as well. Like we know, even though we don't operate in this world and, you know, I'm speaking for myself, not for you, Mike, I don't know your business. No, we're not investors. Absolutely we're not, not operating in the like <laughs> tech world. Um, but I know exactly, I know who Elizabeth Holmes is. I know who Adam Newman is. Mm -hmm. I know kind of like who these people are and roughly their story or what their image is and how they how they have pitched themselves and how they pitched their products. And that is very much at the center of this episode of Succession. And I had such a good time with it. So much fun, right? Such a fun episode. Yeah, it is. It's it, like you said, it kind of really doubles down on the parody. I was reminded of one of those conversations that Logan had, I think in season three, where he sort of talked about how this country and this world used to be run by giants. And now I always think of what was probably the last line he said to his children, right? Which was, you are not serious people. And it's like, yes. this is this is the world as run by not serious people. People that you know, spout bullshit on stage that want, you know, um, clouds to come down from the ceiling that, you know, tweet ridiculous things and then have to delete them five minutes mm -hmm. later. All of these idiots, basically, that have all the power and the money in the world. So, and and what better setting, right, Anna, for all of this bullshit than LA? So this this episode takes place in LA, just in the, in the run-up to this product launch, as we've discussed, this thing called Living Plus, which is basically like a kind of like housing complex for older people, but one where they get loads and loads of content and entertainment. And some would say, why are they bothering to kind of launch this product and pitch this now at this point? And Matson, who is about to take over, is definitely not interested in this stuff, right? He's like, get rid of mm -hmm. it. Why are you launching it? So Kendall decides the best thing he can do in that case is double down on this kind of living plus product launch and kind of takes it as an excuse to go full Kendall, have a full manic episode, right? He, he finds a, a little line in the pitch for it that says something about... Um, what is it? Something about personalized longevity programs, i.e. maybe you can live forever virtually. Yeah. And he kind of really takes that idea and runs with it and basically decides he's going to create this mental pitch where he's going to promise people eternal life, essentially. Uh, so Kendall is going full Kendall. Meanwhile, Roman is going like full sort of Joffrey Baratheon here, this kind of like mad monarch who is culling people left, right and centre, right? We'll discuss all of this. And meanwhile, Shiv is kind of doing her Shiv thing where she's covering all of her bases. She's kind of still sneakily chatting to Matson. She's still maybe trying to destroy what Kendall and Roman are doing because she wants the deal to go through with Matson. So as ever, these three siblings are all trying to destroy each other in the mad world of Hollywood or fuckywood, as uh, as Roman calls it. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, there's so much to discuss with what these three siblings are up to, Anna. This so week. <laughs> much, and I'll be honest, when I on my first watch of this episode, I left the episode being quite confused. Yeah, because alongside all the 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 bullshit that's happening in the business side of the episode, and how all the sips, each one of the sips, are kind of going full. Ken is going full Ken. Mm -hmm. Roman is kind of grieving via firing yeah. everyone he has a meeting with, and Shiv is playing the field with Matson trying to salvage the deal behind her brother's backs and also rekindling 
her relationship with Tom.、Mm. I found it hilarious, but at the same time, very confusing in, in emotionally where all the characters are. Like because they seem to be flailing, but in a way. That we haven't quite seen that much before, and I think Shiv and Tom, you know, when we talk about them, are probably the most. That's the most interesting storyline for me. That's the most kind of okay. We're doing something, perhaps slightly different from what we've seen them do before, or what we usually see succession characters do before, which is you know be honest、yeah. uh, about their intentions. But you know, shall we start with who should we start with? Shall we start with、uh, with Ken? Let's start with Ken because this this really does feel like such a pivotal Kendall episode and such a brilliant Jeremy Strong performance as well. You know, as Kendall goes through these highs and lows of this manic episode as he's getting ready to present to the investors. You know, the the thing that puts Kendall in his element, right, is being in the spotlight, talking the talk, all of that、mm-hmm. swagger, his stupid jacket,、um, and it feels like the whole episode is gearing towards. Kendall having this almighty fall from grace, right? It feels like he's going to clearly make a complete fall out of himself, as we've seen him do time and time again.、Mm-hmm. And as ever with Succession, it kind of takes us by surprise a little bit. In that, this is sort of a win for Kendall at the that end. That was a、right? win. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Our boy did good. I mean, fuck him. I am off the Kendall train, but also a. A strange new occurrence, a Kendall win. Incredible! He did good. Nobody expected it. This is what Kendall always wanted, right? This is kind of his dream achieved at this point. You know,、yeah. like he went up on stage, he won the crowd over, he used all of his NBA tech boy bullshit jargon, and he actually managed to pull something out of the bag、uh, by using pulling on emotional strings, right? And we haven't talked、yes. about this, but Brian Cox is back in this episode, and the ghost of Logan looms. Literally in this episode, doesn't it as well? Well, we start the whole episode with、uh, green screen footage of Brian Cox delivering, essentially recording the、uh, pitch for Living Plus, yeah, very unenthusiastically.、Um, which again, you know, we're doubling down on the. Old money versus new money. New money is technology. Old money is, in this case, property. Right?、Mm-hmm. It's real estate. Matson does not give a shit about real estate. It's clunky. It's messy. It's a pain in the ass to unload when you when you need to. And meanwhile, the old guard, the old money, is trying to put a shiny technological veneer on essentially a very old fashioned proposition, which is just. Real estate, yes. And yes. we start with like essentially the oldest of the old guard, the old dinosaur, pitching this idea that he doesn't fully really stand behind,、mm. and having another tanty be because it's the Logan way of having it, getting in another dig at his idiot kids because <laughs> it's the Logan way of doing things, and you know to go back to Kendall in his presentation. He not only pulls at the heartstrings of you know the whole if I could have an hour more with my dad,、mm. say say the unsaid things that would be priceless, which is you know monetizing his own emotions and fractured relationship with his dad. Good Kendall,、yeah. that's a great power move. But the other really interesting thing is that he's making his dad say the things that he wished 
he had actually said. Logan would have never done that supportive, overarching parental figure thing mm. that he does in this like ghostly tech way where he just sort of looms and nods, you know, and we just project that he nods approvingly at whatever Kendall's saying because yes. that's the the, mo- the narrative that Kendall wants. But there's something so so tragic about the fact that you in order to hear your dad say the thing you wanted him to say your entire life you literally have to manipulate his image and digitally edit words into his mouth that he never said and of course there's the emotional side and then there's the business side because Kendall makes ghost Logan say double your profits which (laughs) Is just made up numbers. It's just that he's riding the bullshit unicycle, like Shiv says. It is silly numbers that mean nothing, but they have a purpose, right? Which is they, Ken and Roman, and by the end of the episode, really Ken, because Roman backs out of doing the presentation with him. Yeah. Even Kendall had him made a a special commission jacket for him so they could match on stage. Co-pilots. Yes, (laughs) co-pilots. They're maverick and goose. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, without the sexual tension. (laughs) And the whole whole point of that all-nighter that they pull and those silly numbers is that they're trying to bring the price up to price out Matson, so that if they manage to get a, again... Again, we're not MBAs, but, you know, I've watched Billions. I've watched Succession. I know that in the pre... I think a couple of episodes ago, I mis- like I misinterpreted, I think, one of the numbers. And I'm like, you know what? This is why I don't run oh. multimedia conglomerates. Yeah. I mean, I as, as we've proven time and time again, I understand none of this number stuff, Anna. So you're better at this than me. But yes. But this is the point, right? Because if they were to reject Matson's deal, which was $192 per share, mm-hmm. which, by the way, while we were watching the previous episode, uh, my partner looked up the stock prices of like Apple and real life companies. And apparently Waystar Roku is worth more than those. So, yes. Yes. you know, we are living in a fantasy land. But yeah. going back to my point, if they were to reject this deal they would be essentially working against the companies and the stakeholders' interests. So they cannot be rejected. It cannot be rejected. They would get fired instantly by the board. Yes. So their very clever, clever plan is to create this fake tech product and they use the techno- the tech language, right? It's product instead of, you know, retirement home. Yeah. It's like Living Plus, like Disney Plus or Paramount Plus or whatever. All these like trendy bullshit tech yeah. names, right? And he's parroting kind of stuff that Elizabeth Holmes used to pitch as well, you know, with Theranos and that whole uh, Mm. massive, which turned out to be a huge, huge con and all fake. But the proposition being, you know, oh, you can... We, you you will get access to this very special technology that's only accessible to very rich people. Yeah. And if they can inflate the stock price of Roco, it even momentarily, it means that they could reject Matson's bid because it no longer is competitive mm, mm-hmm. if they are worth more than what he's offering. So this is a very, very clever plan. And you know what? It's really annoying. It might actually work. That that is what's really kind of irritating about it, isn't it? Because again, I don't know if I want this for our sibs. You know, like I still loved this original plan that Shiv brings up in this episode. I thought the point was we're going to sell this shit 
buy Pierce together, Do run Pierce, Pierce together. together. Obviously, that's not what Kendall wants. You know, as we've known for a couple of episodes now, he's been trying to destroy mm-hmm. Matson, destroy the deal, which for one, fucks over Matson, who he hates, and also makes him the actual CEO of this existing company, which is all he's ever wanted, him and Roman together, right? Although Shiv has already put in place like uh, like a protective strategy yeah. by asking Matson to do something and what he can do the power that he has that neither Kendall nor Roman really have is that he does one tweet that is deliberately controversial and all of a sudden shit hits the fan and then he deletes it mm. and then but the the stock price has been affected yeah it's so interesting isn't it but Kendall kind of recovers from that publicly in quite a mature way doesn't he like I think what's really interesting and we've talked about this before that you know these three siblings are all fuck-ups on their own and obviously as we've discussed time and time again the tragedy of it is if they work together they would probably just about be able to achieve what their dad was able to achieve and Kendall is actually pretty good at the kind of jargon and the sort of public speaking when he needs to be Shiv is really good at kind of relations with people right and kind of you know like keeping clients happy and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. Roman is actually pretty good at knowing kind of how things work on the inside and he's got a pretty good brain for what works and Mm -hmm. what doesn't between the three of them they can just about maybe you know exist as a kind of competent CEO but the problem is that all of them individually like you said are just kind of flailing and spiraling I think but Kendall does have his few moments of success in this at the end of this episode but is it all going to amount to nothing it's all complete bullshit right these numbers that he he's kind of plucked out of nowhere where he's literally had to manipulate his dad saying them and that's really the only reason that people went along with his pitch was because he had video evidence of his dad agreeing with it right Mm -hmm. otherwise Mm -hmm. i feel like people wouldn't have gone along with it so and and that's another really fun thing about this episode like you said so focused on the tech world that it's also even you know focusing in on that on the kind of dangers of editing and manipulating images of like making people who are dead or even say things that they never said and you know there's yes. a lot of jokes about editing and obviously there is a bit of hollywood Mr. um yeah there's a there's a there's a bit of a hollywood satire obviously in this stuff too but yes it's like it feels like this kind of superficial temporary win for kendall that like we can all enjoy it for kendall in that last five minutes when he's floating on the ocean and just having a little moment of success but i feel like that's not gonna last long right <laughs> it's like surely that's all gonna burn i mean because it's because it's kendall so that's not gonna last very yeah long. yeah yeah but it is interesting that when he's you know he's had this one win he still goes into the water which is usually tragic candle space you know where he goes to float and feel sad and cry into the ocean of tears uh, of rich boys everywhere and yet this time (laughs) he's sort of you know satisfied he's done something good including lest we forget editing together a video of Logan insulting Roman, which he then, you know, when we speak about Roman, we'll get to it, like plays over and over and over again as as he leaves. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's another great Jeremy Strong episode, really, isn't it? You know, like Kendall having those extreme highs, those extreme lows, the moment when Roman tells him he doesn't want to go on stage with him and you just see like Kendall just start to crumble and like 
curl in on himself you know he he manages to pull through has that amazing exchange with carl as well yes (laughs) that's what i was gonna mention holy shit carl kendall being called out well all the sibs being called out by the senior management team at waystar they are sick of their bullshit oh my god they simply (laughs) kind of send it there's this amazing shot of them just sitting at the presentation uh very high up uh, at this like on this sofa all three of them Carl, Frank and Jerry just looking at them sourpussed so just full Statler and Waldorf just moaning at the back (laughs) but also I wanted to ask you this okay what do you think Carl is referring to when he threatens Kendall saying that I will squeal Mm. if you say something I'm not comfortable with or if you pull out some numbers that I have not seen if you make me look foolish in any way I will squeal what is he going to squeal about well obviously the first thing I thought of was of course the car crash incident but it could be a zillion other little things, couldn't it? Like, he has known these kids, presumably most of their lives, right? Mm-hmm. And because the, these people will have, you know, this is the other sad thing. I think Frank is actually Kendall's godfather, right? And Jerry is Shiv's godmother. Yes. Like, these senior staff members who are being treated like shit by these kids are, are, are really close to them and have been their whole lives, right? So Carl presumably just must have infinite juice on Kendall like he must have infinite stuff that he could squeal about I imagine so in a way I wondered whether it's not even one specific thing it's just it almost doesn't matter which thing it is he's probably got so much on Kendall you know by this point or or possibly like just you know the the company or Kendall yeah. and and Kendall and Logan I don't know it, I I my mind also went to the manslaughter but you're right we even got a a glimpse of this I believe in season two with the with the guy that Kendall and Roman had paid to get their initials tattooed oh. or Kendall's initials tattooed on his forehead yeah. and then they found them and tried to you know get a picture of him for insurance against Ken you know yeah. so there, I'm sure there's tons of weird stuff like that that we just ha- the show hasn't really shown us but obviously within what we know so far my mind instantly went to the manslaughter I was like oh I wonder if Colin said something and I never because thought I would of Logan. yeah exactly because we were never quite sure who knew that and who Marsha knew Colin knew right and as far as I was aware that was sort of it but maybe other people know now but I just I love that now I find myself rooting for Carl I'm like yeah go go Carl I who knew know. that this was going to be such a fun season for Carl and and that, that whole kind of like senior staff kind of section of the cast they've just been brilliant well, this season I, think. I love this kind of like the the fall of the corporate mask it was like the only I mean we've spoken about this already on the on the show that the only reason they were even entertaining these goddamn fools yeah. is because they were Logan's kids Logan's no longer around it's like fuck you guys mm. like we're not going to pretend like you're not here just because of Logan. Like the minute, like we can't wait for you to be out because you are bullshit. You're bullshit people. Oh, and just as someone that used to work in kind of TV and film production stuff, just that awful scene when Kendall's like, "Come on, Bill, be this oh set. Come on." <laughs> We can pull an all-nighter. New rule, nobody's allowed to say no. And you could just see them all just wanting to <laughs> oh, die inside. <laughs> it's like, oh. 
And his little deflated face <laughs> when the clouds are not what he expected. But but I saw it in Berlin. Why couldn't you make me the thing that I saw in Berlin? It was just it was just Kendall from his birthday party all over again, wasn't it? Yes. That, that, it, oh. Although that definitely had like I mean I would love to see I would love to have just a spin-off series about the event planning for that <laughs> because I don't know if you have heard sidebar mm, yeah. like i don't know if you have heard about the drama around the pelts beckham wedding but i am fucking living for it no, I knew because i love this. event planning and i love event planning misfires <laughs> so basically the event planners and nicola pelts's billionaire dad are suing each other because of what a shit show the wedding was amazing there's so many documents there's so many texts that are being exchanged there's so much like can we get wider than white flowers? Can we get a silver floor? You know, just tons of event planning stuff. And I just, I'm, I'm, I want that. I want the backstory for that. I love it. I love it. Speaking of, you know, big hoopla weddings, there's no Connor and Willa this week, right? As no. Well. Interesting. No. I almost wonder whether, like, is Connor going to come back in a big way? I imagine he will towards the election, yes. right? In the, we've only got four episodes left, but I am, you know, I thought to myself, is this kind of it for Connor post his wedding? Is his arc kind of done? Or is he going to come back in an interesting way, I wonder, in the next few episodes? I, I don't think his arc is done. I think there's something else that needs to happen with Connor, but I don't know if it's going to be in a big way. The election seems like possibly. Yeah. And again, I think I've mentioned this in a previous episode. I think we're going to see a big public humiliation for Connor. Yeah. Yeah. I think the foolishness and this, you know, this campaign that he's been, um, you know, spending his money on, something will happen that will be kind of, you know, he doesn't really have a career to end, but that will make him a public fool in yes. a way that right now he's a private fool within the Roy family, but it's going to be very visible in a really embarrassing way. And and I think we've talked about this off mic, but people have obviously speculated that because each episode is one day in this yes. season, we're going day by day. In episode one, they mentioned that the election was 10 days away, right? So we can only assume yes. that the series finale, the last ever episode, will be election day. And we now know from this week that Shiv and Tom are going to throw an election party together yes. as well. So I'm assuming the series finale is going to be this party at Shiv and Tom's, which is going to oh be interesting, right? That's yeah. going to be rough for a lot of people. <laughs> so and before we move, we move on to either Rome or yeah. Shiv, I just wanted to bring up Kendall's costuming, Ooh, particularly please. the flight jacket, because Mike, I fucking loved it. <laughs> I have not seen anything more completely in character and... Because we're recording this on the Monday, mm. some coverage has already come out in America mm. over the the episode. Yeah. I read an interview with our best boy, Jeremy Strong, in New York Magazine. Oh. One of the first questions, one of the first things he mentions is, and I quote, the first thing I did when I read the script was text the costume designer and the director from Norway and say, I need a flight suit to wear for the product launch. Oh my God. This is a Jeremy Strong idea. Oh my God. He really is like Kendall. Like that is something Kendall would do, right? It's amazing. Yes. <laughs> and also much like, much like me, obsessed with costuming. Oh, it's he so interesting. He's very into it. And he, <laughs> he calls it, 
it was a chief twit thing I wanted to embody. So like this ridiculous OTT detail that will have cost thousands of dollars that just aggrandizes him. Did you notice all the patches that yes. are relevant to Waystar? Fuck <laughs> yes. oh, me, so the good. CEO patch. Oh my god, oh my god it's, it's so just good. perfection, perfection. And he's has he worn a jacket? Not obviously the, the co-pilot thing, but has he worn a jacket like that before? Like a big kind of puffed out jacket. I feel like I've seen it. I've seen him wear something like that before. He's worn bomber jackets before, which are less puffed out. But right. this is like a proper, you know, flight like pilot flight jacket. They're really puffy. And also, you know, Jeremy Strong is not a large man. So, like, seeing the huge puffer jacket on him just makes him seem kind of smaller yes even, it does. that's what i way. kept thinking it sort of dwarfed him a little bit right yeah, which is really yeah. fascinating again like brilliant costume choices and also just you know this when he's getting ready you know there's this shot of him kind of with his eyes closed in the makeup chair and he does visibly have makeup on him i mean i know they all have makeup on them but you know it's meant to look invisible depending on what the purpose is yes and here he's kind of you know has the kind of pastier camera makeup on Mm. and Roman walks in and I just love the the visual juxtaposition of these two CEO bros who and how they're dressed you know Roman in his slick suits Mm -hmm. and Kendall with this costume literally a fucking costume yes yes it's just beautiful it's just those those details work so well and i do love that the the writers kind of surprised us by you know giving him that moment on stage at the end Mm. where it was a kind of win for him and again you you mentioned this already but the way in which it's kind of referencing real life kind of tech moguls right over the last 20 years you know obviously there's a lot of elon musk in in matson and and other characters but there was almost something of a Steve Jobs about him at the end, right? Like Steve Jobs, who people talked about when he used to talk on stage, it was almost like this kind of like messiah, like this like tech, yeah. like, this like tech god, right? That used to kind of rouse the crowds and everything. And and obviously they even make the joke like Tom's like he's just promised them eternal life. Like they they, they almost want Kendall to look like he's some sort of Christ-like what? figure, right? At the end, with his father God looming over him. <laughs> he really made me think of Adam Newman. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we've ever seen Adam Newman speak. And Matson as well had Adam Newman vibes uh, in the way that he's dressed, the, you know, walking barefoot on the tarmac in the yes, airport. Yes. And even, even like, okay, a- another digression, I do apologize. But as a big fan of the big tech giant failures turned into series moment that we lived through last mm-hmm. year. Um, I even watched the whole goddamn WeWork show. Oh, the Jared, Jared Leto, Leto one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate myself for it, but Anne Hathaway, exquisite. I heard she was anyway, amazing in it. Yeah, yeah. But the whole point with Adam Newman and WeWork was that they were selling real estate packaged as a tech product, which is exactly what they're doing with Living right, Plus, right? Okay. And there is this, if you ever see him speak in the way he pitched it, he, they all were also writing a lot about him as this kind of messianic approach to essentially desk space yes uh but it was very much like we are community we are life you know you're finding your inspiration and your uh, your peers this is this is where you will become you oh wow this desk that we're renting you so like there was this this vibe as well in his speech and and also like this self-delusion of I believe in my own bullshit Mm. and I'm going to sell you my bullshit. Mm -hmm. It's quite like scary when you see them 
believe in it themselves yes. so deeply because oh that becomes God. so contagious. I really, I really got. I think it was probably quite knowing yes. the Adam Newman of it all. Definitely. Oh, that sounds like I didn't realize that, but that sounds like clearly an obvious parallel to that. Then that's so interesting, and I love the way that this show constantly kind of like nods towards real life stuff mm. like that in that way. Mm. Um, yeah. So shall we? Shall we move on and talk about poor old Roman in in this episode? Oh, Rome. <laughs> this is maybe the lowest low for Rome. I feel like this week you know on his absolute Mm -hmm. manic cull of people in this episode Mm. as well it really did like i mentioned at the beginning it really reminds me of like a game of thrones like like what does jerry call him she calls him a weak monarch right and that is what he felt like he felt like a joffrey type character like this young king with too much power that is just culling people right it is tragic to see so roman (laughs) in this episode is like high on his own supply and also yeah very very keen to embody a part of Logan that he identifies mm. with the most powerful as the most powerful one because yeah. you know he he has this meeting with Joy the head of the the Waystar kind of movie studios uh played by Annabelle Gish I think and mm. she's mm-hmm. very Hollywood and he's like the yeah. minute she laughs at him at his sort of kind of not joke joke of, well, I could just fire you. The minute she laughs at the idea of him actually doing something like with his, mm-hmm. the, with his position, with his power, he, he just reacts. He's like, oh, okay, well then fuck you then. I'm going to fire you. And he does the same thing to Jerry, a scene that we will discuss in detail. But like, it's the same thing. The minute he feels laughed at or disrespected he lashes out by you know waving his ceo dick around totally yeah and it's it's this thing of like he's seen his dad do this so many times that of course he thinks that that is the way you you are powerful is by just doing this flappy thing of just getting rid of people who do not quote unquote respect you but he does not understand that the respect is earned Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's that. It, it, it's that. As soon as somebody makes him feel small, it's the 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 line that triggers it from joy is. I'm sure you are where you are for a very mm. good reason, right? Mm. Which is a great, great line. Oh, by the way, love. It's Annabeth Gish, isn't it? From the Flanagan, Flanagan verse. But yeah, it's a, a really fun scene that. And But it's it's that line particularly that triggers it, right? And then, of course, later, like you say, we'll talk about that scene. But Jerry says, you are not your dad. And that's the thing that triggers it from from him as well, right? So yeah, it's as soon as his his power is threatened in that way. He yeah. is. And, and you know, it's that thing that Jerry says at some point about Matt. You know, because they try to spin the whole mental breakdown on the mountain in Norway from last episode as, mm-hmm. oh, that was Matson being unprofessional and weird and aggressive. Mm-hmm. And Jerry says, he's a genius. Nobody minds a genius acting weird. Yeah. So then when she calls him a weak monarch, it's even, you know, when they have a dense relationship going on and have had for a few seasons now but mm-hmm. it's particularly insulting to him because like oh Matson can get away with being a dickhead my dad can get away with being a dickhead why can I get away with being an impulsive um fire trigger happy dickhead yeah yeah, exactly. Because he's not a genius. He's not a genius. But and in in a lot of ways I kind of was with him on the well it's funny because again he's so easily manipulated isn't he because he 
he basically it's Shiv whispering in his ear that causes him to kind of turn against Kendall and sort of say I'm not going to come on stage with you he thought Kendall as the rest of us thought Kendall was going to crash and burn and then of course when Kendall Mm. doesn't Roman just looks so deflated and pissed off at the end doesn't he it's like oh he's he's kind of lost out again on on his moment of power or his moment of respect there you know yeah and also there's this he still wants the allegiance between the sibs you know Mm -hmm. he's the one who who when Shiv confronts them he's like we're sorry like I'm sorry we did this we're trying to keep you clean bullshit yeah but also then he's instantly the person who's like oh can we do the huggy thing yes you know can we make up yeah can we make up and get back to where we were and i think by the end of this episode actually all the sibs are working only towards their own particular interests as opposed to their collective interests because kendall has been doing that pretty much since the minute logan died um but roman was still sort of working or working towards the idea of them working together shiv sort of already knew that the betrayal was coming as soon as they said that they were going to be co-ceos but not include her she's known so she's been she's been working her own um relationship with matson on the down low and roman i think this episode is the one who's a bit afloat because he's distant himself from kendall and that's backfired because now kendall did good Mm -hmm. Shiv is doing her own thing. What is Roman doing by the end of this episode? Yeah. Is he is he just like it feels to me that he is just yeah. grieving. He's just starting to grieve now because he had that meltdown on the mountain. And in this episode, we just see him kind of listening over and over and over again to this doctored recording of Logan saying uh insults to Roman and calling him a micro dick. And you know, it's just, it, there's something particularly sad where it's like, oh, I just want to listen. I would just want to hear my dad's voice, even if it's insults. Oh, totally. And, and, and if anything, I think he probably likes it more that he's hearing his dad insult him. Like, there's something of him, right? Mm-hmm. There is, we've seen the way that he likes being treated by people like Jerry sexually, right? But there's this thing, it's mm-hmm. not necessarily sexual, but there's this thing, or maybe there is, but there's this thing with his dad where he... He likes to be the puppy that gets kicked, right? He likes to be the one that gets locked in a cage and fed dog food. Like, he is the one that he... (laughs) He's... This is how he's used to being treated by his family. And yeah, I think there is something about that particular badly edited line of him calling him a micro dick that actually I feel like Roman appreciates more than if that was a doctored line where Logan is being kind to him. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's something Mm -hmm. about it that, like, he needs to hear that. He needs to hear somebody tell him he's worthless at the end of that episode episode kind of thing so mike as a really good editor that you are how do you feel about the editing of logan's lines in this episode <laughs> well I, I was offended by how bad it was at the end there with with, uh, with roman's one in the car i was like come on you can at least put in a few little transitions to smooth that out a little bit you know um but very impressive the light the you know the um double our money line during the presentation i think everyone was uh, including greg was very impressed by that editing right uh, mr snip snip did an excellent job there yeah greg got in the good books by the way he got in the good books yeah greg bullying the editor yeah i'm sorry get the fuck out of my face get the fuck out of my face greg this is the, yeah, this is it we're seeing all of these dickheads just 
with too much power in this episode, don't we? We Greg is being a bully. Roman is being a bully. Kendall is being a bully. They're all just like throwing, swinging their dicks around. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, all of the actual capable people, the people that are good at their jobs, are getting cold left, right and centre, right? Should we talk about Jerry getting fired? Can you believe it? How dare they do my girl dirty this way i can't believe it it is disgusting it is honestly everybody's getting their emmy reel in this season and jay smith cameron has gotten her emmy shot right in this scene because her face as she both confronts roman it's kind of working on the assumption that they could have that kind of like volatile relationship as they did before. Yes. Still sees himself, herself above him, which, you know, she is on almost every single level except hierarchical. And then him just having none of that stuff and just being, well, I'm not, you're not showing me the right amount of respect. You're using the F word very liberally. It makes me uncomfortable. It's like the shift in dynamic is so quick and changes several more times throughout that scene. And when she just lets slip that thing of you're a weak monarch, mm. he is just like, he's done. He will not tolerate, even though it turned him on uh, in previous seasons. Yes. He's like, no, no, you're not having this. I'm not doing it. You're not good at your job. And I'll fire you and I'll make up a reason for this firing. And the fact that he, this is the most insulting thing you can say to Jerry, is she'll take whatever insult on the chin, right? But if you tell her you're not good at your job, her lip and her eyelids just tremble a tiny, tiny, tiny bit. I know. And she just whispers, I am good at my job. Yeah. And it's like the, the insult of this little dweeb yeah. telling Jerry that she is not good at her job. The audacity. Oh, it's oh, honestly. And I think we all are kind of rooting for Jerry. We always have been rooting for Jerry from the start, right? And I just feel like Jerry is still going to come out on top out of this. If hmm. if if she has to leave Waystar, all the better, I think. Like, take your money and go, Jerry. Because, yeah, who knows? I mean, it all depends on what Matson does with her, I suppose, mm-hmm. at this point. Because she wasn't on the kill list. But I just think, yeah, that is going to be one of the biggest mistakes Roman or any of the siblings have made in this whole process. Firing Jet, firing the smartest and most capable person in this whole mm-hmm. business, I think, right? And one of the most loyal people to the business as well. Exactly, yeah. And, yeah, you know, you can you can. Feel feel it in in these moments that both her and Carl have in this episode where it's like yeah you need these people and you are fucked without them and some of her lines are so good like the weak monarch is great you are not your dad when she says you cannot win against the money the money is going to wash you away yeah you know like this idea that you know stop trying to be bigger than what this is and but you know that line kind of does come to fruition at the end where by plucking random numbers in you know uh, money numbers in from thin air they mm-hmm. kind of have achieved a win or kendall has right so it's 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 interesting it's again it's that it's that money wins thing isn't it and it all depends on you know where this goes next and yeah I just i can't imagine that living plus is actually going to be as successful as uh no as i that mean pitch it's, suggested. It's, it's bullshit it's bullshit but he mind uh he might succeed in actually derailing the the deal. So everything mm. is just circling around the Matson deal. It's why Matson tweets um, Doderick macht frei, yes. which is obviously you know well known 
a phrase that used to be engraved at the entrance of the Auschwitz concentration camps that meant, you know, work will set you free. Yes. And that kind of Nazi reinterpretation of the, let's remember, Dodderick is one of the cartoons uh, that is owned by the Waster Corporation. That's the costume that Greg was wearing in the very first episode of Succession as well. That's Dodderick. Um Again, it's the sort of edgelord bullshit that Matson can tweet, affect everything for a little bit, but not in a not in a definitive way, mm-hmm. not in a final way. It's just for a moment. And I love that power move. It's not the first time that he's done that, but it's the first time that he has this whole conversation with Shiv where he's like, I don't like this, make it stop. And she's like, I can't. But you can. Yeah. Which is when Shiv is, you know, and we should talk about her. Shiv is at her smartest when she's operating behind people who wield um, public power. Exactly that. Exactly that. That's when she does best. Yeah. She's amazing as that kind of um, advisor, right? A kind of like public advisor. She's, and she is kind of, it does feel a bit like she's, in a way, it kind of feels like they're all back to their season one selves a bit, right? They've all kind mm-hmm. of come hideously full circle, these siblings, in, in the last few weeks, where Kendall is kind of corporate fuckboy at the top. Roman is, a, you know, a complete mess. And Shiv is this kind of slightly separate from her brothers, different entity who is kind of smartly mm-hmm. placing herself behind someone in power. Um, yeah, let's talk about Shiv because she has some very interesting moments both with Matson and then with Tom in this episode. And like you said, Anna, I too was quite confused by a lot of her interactions with Tom in this episode. And I think it's meant to be deliberately very confusing and so, ambiguous, isn't it? First of all, let's talk about her relationship with Matson. Yeah. Where what do you make of that? Yeah, because they have that great moment together on their private their private jets parked next to each other at the at the beginning. Yes, my little girl on the inside, my boy on the outside. What do you make of Shiv and Matson? I think they're great, you know, like I think especially because of the way her brothers are behaving, I think good for her. Get in there with Matson, mm. right? But yeah, like I I don't know, like I think obviously there is a flirtiness to it. Yeah. But I think especially on the part of Shiv, she's just she just knows how to work men like this, right? I don't think that actually mm-hmm. she is interested in Matt's. And I get the feeling she thinks he's a complete idiot. And actually, she all but says that to him most of the time, right? That's the relationship they have, where she's kind of insults him and he kind of, he finds it funny and they can they have this kind of banter back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um but Shiv is also sort of I don't know, he she's kind of got him in her pocket but maybe he also has her in his pocket too because she is helping him you know like whenever he calls her and needs something doing she does try and do it like when he he's like i don't want this presentation to happen she then runs straight to roman right and tries to stop it so she is kind of working for him but it's in her best interests i think in a way right so i really i like their relationship that they have i think it's kind of interesting i hope it kind of continues yeah what about you? It's in both their best interests, isn't it? Because Shiv knows that in the new Matson world, if the Pierce thing doesn't pan out because her dipshit brothers fuck it up, then, you know, she is positioning herself in his good mm-hmm. books. Whether it's his brothers, both Rome and Kendall have completely severed that good connection. Yes. Like, that's done and dusted. They are out as soon as that deal goes through. So it's important that the deals goes th- goes through. And on the other hand, like... 
she's kind of playing the field in a way that doesn't give anyone too much. Mm. Right, because she's every time they speak, she's like, "Oh well, I have to go. Well, you know, maybe I love my brothers very much, or maybe I just hate you, mm. or you know, I can't give you any more information. I'm just sharing this because of how advanced the deal is." You know, she's very considerate of those things, but she's giving him enough that they're building this two-way street, right? And he's, you know, dropped in hints like, "Well, you know." When I take over, I'm gonna need someone to do to do stuff, or I'm gonna need someone to run things. So there is again the dangling of the carrot yeah. of actually actually doing something important of an actual job, not this like nonsense in the shadows bullshit that she's doing, right? But yeah, what I do like about Chip in this episode is that she's with Roman and Kendall. She does call them both out. She is like, she does like boys, literally boys yeah, it's so good you're not good at this so good i fucking love that it's like you've been doing this since we were kids you're doing the same thing mm-hmm. and you're cutting me out and you were always going to do that and they're kind of quivering in that in that scene you know they're like oh shoot, sorry yeah you know we're doing we do we didn't want to we wanted to keep you clean yeah. we wouldn't have fucked you over oh can we do the huggy thing and it's like it's so childish and i found it quite Interesting visually when they do do the huggy thing, Shiv's face has got, she's got the pursed lips of disappointment yes. that Sarah Snook does when she's like, I'm not happy about this. I'm being betrayed and I can tell. Yes. And, you know, I've often mentioned that Shiv is very frustrating to me because she's just smart enough to see the stuff that's happening, but not smart enough to do the right moves to take advantage of the things that are happening. So, but, and going back to my conspiracy theory about Shiv's hair, her hair is excellent in this episode, uh-huh. as it was in the past episode, which to me indicates that she's a little bit more... <laughs> she's back in control. In her element. Yeah. <laughs> she's back in control. She's navigating things in a way that serves her interests and her purpose. And hence the bob is looking good. Well, there's a lot of... As well, I think this is interesting that they choose the LA Hollywood episode to have a lot of very overtly false sort of declarations of love and affection in this episode Mm. too, right? That hug is so clearly by this point, you know, we talked about how we've never seen the siblings hug as much as we have this season. Mm -hmm. They have a real, Mm -hmm. what feels like a genuine hug in that episode when Logan dies, right? And then you parallel it with this hug that feels completely false, completely superficial. Like, oh, should we do the huggy thing? Oh yeah. And then you see Shiv's face. It means nothing, right? It's a betrayal hug. Mm -hmm. Um, That moment when she says to Matson, well, what if I love my brothers very much? And Matson just laughs, right? It's a joke. Later on, she says to Tom, Tom, I'd follow you anywhere, Tom Wamsgams, for love. And then they both just laugh. Like, it's a joke. Like, there are all these kind of um, moments of love or romance or affection that are just cruel jokes in this episode, right, as well. Like, they are all just, like, hiding behind these kind of, like, very thin veneers of being nice to each other and laughing about it in each other's faces, you know? It's like... And and Shiv does a lot of that in this episode. Well, there's... The scenes between Tom and Shiv in this episode are so fascinating because there's you know it starts with oh my god okay just as a throwaway point Shiv's scheduled crying her scheduled grief sessions and that inter just the face she makes of just surprise Mm. and just very quick stealing of herself when Greg and Tom you know burst into this meeting room that she had booked another sidebar 
don't do that very annoying very annoying just like just don't if someone's booked a room just fuck, don't fucking go in yeah. there um and anyway so she she's booking the room for to have a moment to herself to cry and grieve and it gets interrupted by tom and that's when kind of their physical rekindling begins because she kisses him and then later on they bump into each other at this like hollywood shinding and they're flirting in this really you know damaged kind of way where they're talking about how they didn't really make a mark on each other and they didn't really care and they were both you know kind of fucked up and heartbroken before they met each other and shiv calls tom the one after the one yeah uh which is like the most yeah like that is a knife uh but then you know they do this unbelievably weird and weirdly hot moment where they play bitey yes. and they bite each other's forearms looking each other dead in the eyes super close and that is honestly i don't know who came up with that mm. but that writer deserves an emmy because that is the metaphor for tom and Chip's relationship yeah. it's let's hurt each other and the one who lets go first loses yeah exactly and they're both into it they both get off on it they both are like stubborn and messed up and damaging and damaged at the same time and they will continue to do that to each other so the bitey game that they play is just it is tom and shiv in one shot in one effortless metaphor yeah it is and also clearly right that Tom seems to be able to work his way back with Shiv when she is at her most vulnerable too. Like they've made so many references to the fact that they first got together when Shiv was in a bad place. Yes. They mentioned somebody called TK in this conversation as well, right? Who's TK? They also mentioned someone called Mary. Yeah, and Mary. These are their exes, I'm assuming, right? Um, But but yeah, interesting. And, And I just don't trust anything that tom says anymore like i just don't know if tom is being genuine in any of these moments because i feel like tom is suddenly without logan he knows that he has to work his way back to these siblings he's terrible at trying to um kind of schmooze with the lads like the way he tries to talk to matson norway just falls flat he knows that his best in is with shiv and he plays on the emotions of shiv and he's very much like are you okay honey are you you know like and then they do their kind of banty bantery flirty thing and I'm sure he does still have feelings for her, but I know that also he thinks it's in his best interest to pursue this, right, with Shiv. So the way they work each other is just so interesting in this well, episode. Well, I just don't know. And this is why I was confused when I first watched it, right? Yeah. Because up until that party scene, yes, that's exactly it. It's the bitey game. It's mm. let's hurt each other, let's use each other for our purposes. Shiv wants that kindness yeah. and Tom wants that access, right? Yeah. The closeness to power and to money. But then... When we see their kind of post-coital scene, which, by the way, succession, like the way it's almost comical, the way we just start the scene with Tom like buckling up and Shiv's bed hair afterwards. It's funny. Yeah. And they have this talk, right? And I just want to, I want to talk specifically about Matthew McFadden's acting here. Yeah. Because he is doing something I don't think I've seen him do on the show outside of some scenes with Greg, right? Mm-hmm. When he when the mask drops. Yes. And there's something about the way the mask drops in this in this scene with Shiv where he's like, you know what? Just like no bullshit. I yeah. love money. Yeah. I want money 
and I really, really, really like money and my career. And he says this really interesting things. I always agreed to all the compartments, but it seemed to be that it was I was going to be caught between you and your dad. And I really, really, really love my career and nice things. And if he thinks that's shallow, why don't you throw out all your necklaces? And, you know, go, let's go on a date at a three-star Italian. Come on, come and live with me at a trailer park for love. Yeah. The thing that I found really interesting is the part about the compartments and the getting caught between her and her dad. So it's like he could choose her for love or he could choose her dad for money. And he's like, I chose money. Yeah. Like, I love money. This is who I am. And she has this, like, smile and they laugh. Yeah. Like you were saying, this almost maniacal laugh where I'm like, is this them being actually honest? Is this them mm. being like, no, we're both using each other for different reasons. Yeah. And this is this is what's on the table. And perhaps it's better. Perhaps the only love that's... a possibility for them is one that is essentially false yeah but at least they're being honest about that love being false totally i think that's true i think like in a weird fucked up way as long as they're both sort of honest about that it's like connor and willer isn't it like that coming to this kind of yeah. honest uh, you know confession that their relationship is purely transactional if mm. they're both kind of happy that that's the arrangement then that kind of works for them in a way. It's whether or not it does truly work for Tom and Shiv because we've seen time and time again that that doesn't work, that Tom seemed to really get upset by the way that she, you know, crushed his feelings over and over again or cheated on him or whatever, mm. uh, was happy to throw him in jail, you know, and all these other things. It's but this it's, is why I'm confused because is he now, is he now happy? Because is he now happy to like be straightforward and clear about that because the masks is off the mask is off shiv as well as yeah. off him yeah maybe 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 now they can kind of finally just be honest about what this relationship is and and i think he's happy that he's kind of gained well he did at least until logan died a kind of semblance mm. of power over her too you know and he he was clearly you know him and greg being the disgusting brothers together and him being in his dad's pocket suddenly the dynamics sort of shifted between them and maybe now they she knows that i don't know that he's a bit more of a match for her than she originally initially thought or gave him yeah. credit for or something so maybe now they is, can work there is like i don't know if you notice this or if it's just me projecting but like there's a steeliness to tom now that oh, there wasn't there definitely in, like even in the bitey scene you know he's i was looking at his face and he's kind of his eyes are kind of darting around you know the way that people's eyes dart around when they want to speak to someone else at a party and yeah. they're just being constantly spoken out by one person and it's like that person is Shiv. Yeah. So instead of just being purely all about her and fawning all over her, he's letting himself be fawned over, be approached. And he's, he's still into it. You know, they end the episode together and he's there when she has a call with Matson with his feet up on her desk. Yeah. And, you know, she they agree to do like a party and strategy type of relationship. And he has the like, oh, maybe I find strategy really sexy. Yeah. Which, you know, same Tom. Yeah. But also <laughs> yeah. the this thing of like, oh, he's he is different with yeah, her he and is. with everyone else like he's also not actually entertaining greg's bullshit in the same way that he used to like mm. something has shifted in tom and i wonder if it's this thing that he mentioned briefly in the scene where like well 
I got in bed with your dad. Your dad's dead. Your brothers hate me. You hate me. Kind of have to get in bed with Matson now. That's yeah. like, that's my one route into surviving. Yeah. Uh, and keeping my career and my money. Yeah, I de- it's, you're so right. There is a steeliness about him. And there's something that's kind of, I find almost a bit um, chilling when he is sort of comforting quote-unquote Shiv I don't know there's something about it from like the 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 episode with the wake I don't know to the way he kind of tries to it's like he's trying to make Shiv more vulnerable in those moments or something you know Mm -hmm. like these moments when he's like it's okay Shiv you can you can cry cry on my shoulder kind of thing and it's almost like those moments give him a bit of power I think as well Mm -hmm. and yeah it's a really confusing mix of you know probably some genuine love in there but also i just think constantly a kind of power play as well with those Mm. two you know and particularly tom is very consciously thinking about that now that logan's gone so yeah it's uh it's fucked up in all kinds of ways but if it works for the manor sure you know why not and also just like (laughs) i i genuinely it was uh, i probably would rewatch just the scenes with shiv and tom multiple times and i have because i'm like what is happening here like what is are you yeah. Is this is this honesty? <laughs> you know, is this is this what what we're doing now? Is this you just like masks off, dicks yeah. out? Let's do this thing. Yeah, let's let's find out. Also, FYI, gross moment when they walk into the meeting room and Greg is going, "Here's tonight's selection," and he's looking on his phone, presumably at all the models that are going to be in that at that party, right? Oh and my Tom God. and Greg were just about to discuss that together before they see that Shiv's in there. I'm not well. into it. I'm not into no. it. You know, the amount of shit that men get away with just because they're tall. Seriously. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It yeah, has to Those end. two are very tall. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Literally, it's tall man privilege. Like, you can get away with being an asshole or, like, low-key ugly just if you're tall enough. I'm not saying Matthew McFadden or Nicholas Brown are ugly. But you know what I mean. Yeah, no, you're so right. And I love FYI. There's some fun music choices in this episode, I think, because it's in LA. You know, that kind of like Hollywood party kind of like sort of douchey generic dance music in the background of that party scene that you never really hear on succession i thought it was really funny that they chose to put that in that hollywood party setting and there's that great moment when roman is traveling on the back of a buggy through the studios yes and there's a kind of interesting sort of rearrangement of the succession theme tune that i've never Mm. heard before on the show that's kind of like it's like a slightly different arrangement of the theme tune we know But it's a slightly more like jazzy Hollywood version of it as well as Roman just looks pissed off and disgusted on the back of that like buggy as he looks around at, you know, the magic of Hollywood. It's such a it's such a fun little moment. I love that. I love that. And also, you know, the the final scene with Kendall in the sea as well. The rearrangement of the of the theme tune there is beautiful beautiful isn't it it's so good um well there you go is there anything else to mention i mean there's not a lot to say about Gr- cousin greg in this episode really is there apart from that he's pitch bot which i quite enjoyed and uh... i'm unsubscribing from the cousin greg newsletter i dislike <laughs> him immensely this season really really hate him well should we talk about madsen for a moment oh we should we because should because yeah first of all alexander skarsgård i mean I'm a True Blood fan, so I've been I've been on this gravy train since like I don't know 2010 or something. But yeah, yeah. Seriously, that man is so funny. He, yeah, really I funny. really want him to do more comedies because mm. he has that like you know 
we've spoken up uh sometimes about kind of his physical the whole like viking physicality thing like you know good yeah. for him well done jeans and the whole Skarsgård clan but the point being <laughs> yeah. he is so funny at utilizing the way he looks and he does this thing where he's like oh, living plus you know and he does oh, like this that. funny yeah, voice yeah. and the way that he gets onto the plane just like he's so tall and broad but he like cowers and it's yeah funny. he's so unselfconscious physically that's what it is he's not being obviously he's like one of the most handsome you know ripped men on the planet but he doesn't he doesn't give that impression in this show like he's mm. like like we talked about last week like you said he's not being the northman he's not even being eric from true blood you know in those early days of true blood where he's kind of steely and sexy except and- eric season three where he gets his personality switched by the witches where he becomes the love puffy yeah yes. I, love I remember puppy that eric. i yeah. remember that i think i gave up shortly after season three actually so i've not seen the latter half of true blood but i do remember him being funny in some of those episodes yes. of, of true blood but he's 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 very actually quite dorky in this isn't yes. he the way he kind of walks in his his like grins and his giggles and yes. his bare feet and his even the way he sits on chairs and kind of stoops slightly and so stuff, when he know? gets that call when he calls Shiv and he's just sitting in this like leather Chesterfield couch and he's just like yeah. not sitting properly and sort of almost yeah. half slumped in it and be like I don't like it make a stop make yeah. make living plus stop do it <laughs> It's, it's just, like it's, it's very childlike almost. He's like a petulant child at times in yeah. the show, isn't he? Yeah. And I think it is uh is it Jerry who sort of because they talk about how, you know, mm-hmm. Ken and Roman are kind of saying, you know, he's he's having a meltdown, you know, human Chernobyl. And uh, Jerry's like, Yeah, but he's a genius. Nobody minds a genius acting weird. Like exactly, this is the thing, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's allowed to be weird and quirky because he's a genius yeah, billionaire. Because he's made um, all this money already. But you know, we'll talk about winners and losers in a minute, but, you know, is this a bad episode for Matson? right? You know, like, he he kind of loses out in a way because Ken wins the investors over with this living plus, for now, at least. He tweets something that maybe caused a, 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 a kind of a caused a rift, but then he deletes it five minutes later, like... I don't know, is this Matson flapping and panicking at this point? Oh, no, I don't think that's a panic move. Like I said earlier, I think that's a... He's taking on Shiv's advice. Okay. To essentially, like, tank... So it's, like, moderating the stock price, Okay. I think. I think yeah. that's the move. So I don't think that's um, thoughtless. I think that's very deliberate. Um, and we'll see next episode if it had the desired effect for Matson, mm. uh, because that's what he wanted. He wanted to, you know, curb the enthusiasm around the prison camps for grannies, like Shiv yes. calls it. Yes. Yeah, Shiv did plant that seed, I suppose, by calling mm-hmm. it prison camps for grannies, didn't she? Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, I guess it, yeah, it, it, like like Jerry, you know, so eloquently put, it's kind of all about the money you know exactly. you can't fight the money so it, it's it's going to all completely depend we'll find out next week i guess on how the markets respond to both mm-hmm. kendall's presentation and matson's tweet right well what's going to cause the bigger exactly. rift exactly but no i don't think i think honestly matson will be fine yeah <laughs> yeah I, as yeah. long as he gets to like the blood sending under control he should be fine <laughs> Well, that but is that the, might be an issue. That's the thing, right? Like Kendall and Roman both desperate to find something to bring Matson down. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Shiv quietly has the ultimate 
kind of scoop on him really that probably could bring him down right that he was sexually harassing a woman in the workplace in quite a vile kind of gross way um will that eventually and so shiv you know again quietly has the ultimate amount of power in a way Mm -hmm. right in this scenario because she has that knowledge over him she does and she is keeping that close to her chest for now yeah, because she's she knows. Being very that the- smart. Don't tell your brothers. Don't tell. Yeah. Your also, about Shiv, this. please stay on this lane. This is a wonderful yes. lane for you. Stay in control. Yes. Your hair is looking great. The outfits <laughs> were amazing this episode. Yeah. She's getting. She's getting the. She's getting great times from Tom. Yeah. It's all looking well for Shivon. It is. I'm. I'm very happy for her. I know. It's so funny, isn't it? Because she's a monster, really. But I do they're find myself monsters. always rooting. They're all monsters. It's all relative. I do find myself always rooting for shiv at times like this i'm like yes come on I no know. i mean she is the worst but i <laughs> i do love her yeah. especially you know when the outfits are so great so speaking of shall we talk about this week's winners and losers who's who's mvp for you anna this week i mean ken i guess so i guess so i'm, like, I'm i say this with a question mark at the end right because i'm like oh so we expected him to fuck up but he didn't Yay! Have we ever listed Ken as a winner or an MVP up until this point? This might be the first time that poor, sad Ken comes out on top. Not in this season, no. Maybe since the finale of season two, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like yeah. good, for, good for Ken, I guess, although as much as I we mean, both are hating him right now. <laughs> you know, it's kind of behind the scenes, but Lorene Scafaria, who's the director of this episode, she won it. Because, goddamn, this is beautifully made. Great directorial choices in this episode. This week mm-hmm. and last week in Norway, I just think they're yes. some of the most beautifully directed episodes. It's so true, yeah. I agree. Um, who's the saddest character this week? Jerry! Oh, well, yeah, Jerry. I mean, I... I Fired by a slimy puppy? The audacity. I like to think it that she's not really sad. I like to think that Jerry is gonna is planning her revenge. She's planning her comeback. She's planning on how so. she's gonna come out on top here. I would say the saddest for me is Roman. You know, listening to that little badly edited, you know, clip of his dad over and over again as he leaves by himself at <laughs> the end of that episode. I think the saddest person is probably the editor who has to deal with Greg <laughs> breathing down his neck. Honestly. Yeah, that poor guy mm-hmm. that had to create the houses and the clouds. I, I think he may be was the saddest actually as well oh my yeah God. no bless him no, and, and poor out. joy i love as well just fyi um joy who is you know the studio executive that is fired yeah kendall then kind of going yeah death to joy i was like yeah there you go it well, kind of says you know, it all doesn't it death to joy <laughs> well you know what i hope that joy gets a good lawyer and sues the fuck out of them and gets her money that way because she will be entitled to a whole bunch by the way that that meeting transpired exactly that's the thing i just think all of these people get your payouts and get away from these awful roy siblings right and never look back (laughs) um any favorite quotes from this week it has to be my girl jerry you're a weak monarch in a dangerous interregnum and i think you need to reconsider Uh, it's just so good isn't it yeah i would agree with that i've also got oh my god another moment that both me and rihanna absolutely pissed ourselves laughing at is when um kendall is talking to the accountant man the money man yeah yeah. and 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 pete it's pete and pete says um he what does he say he goes numbers aren't just numbers ken they're numbers and then pete and then kendall goes 
You're talking gibberish, Pete. <laughs> like, it's, like, it's so it's so perfect because like all Kendall has been doing this whole episode is talking gibberish mm. and plucking numbers out of thin air. Mm-hmm. And then the man that understands numbers actually mm-hmm. says that to him. He's like, by the way, these aren't just numbers, they're numbers. And then him responding with, you're talking gibberish. I was like, that is chef's kiss moment for me. I absolutely loved it. It's I so- also love the moment where Shiv on the phone to Matson just offhandedly says, oh yeah, he's writing the bullshit unicycle yeah so good so good (laughs) and i love carl you're really gonna fire a cfo a week in you may have my dick in your hand ken but i have yours in mine (laughs) and i love that just his expression when he says this and of course tom's how am i supposed to follow this he just promised them eternal life (laughs) genius before he goes out and does the oprah thing yes which again beautiful beautiful And there we go. Anna, is that everything for this week? I think that's everything that happens in the episode. Let's see who has a nervous breakdown next episode, because I think it's one per day now. Oh my god, four weeks left, Anna. This is it. Mm -hmm. Four episodes left. We're on the home stretch. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm already excited to find out what's going to happen next week. But in the meantime, let people know where they can find you and more of your stuff online. So you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Anna Demented. I'm posting everything that I'm writing or podcast that I appear in over there. You can pre order my book which is coming out in eight days uh, unlikable female characters the women pop culture wants you to hate that's out on the 9th of may in the states and the 9th of june in the uk and you can listen to more of my talking over at the final girls podcast and the horror podcast that mike and i do together hello sydney and dead by dawn lovely and yes as well as finding all of those horror podcasts that me and Anna do together you can find my horror podcast at the evolution of horror wherever you get your podcasts that's it for this week join us next week for another episode of the succession easters the succession easters (laughs) one I almost felt like one day you're just gonna fly backwards I love it (laughs) fuck off (laughs) 